Hey everyone and welcome to Project Esports for September 23rd, 2019. It is just going to be me and Dylan holding down the fort again this week. James deciding to dip. I was really bad about getting a guest ahead of time. So it's just going to be you and me, Dylan. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. There's a lot of pretty good esports topics to talk about today. A lot of varied ones, um, which is good for us. So I'm excited to talk about it. Is foot doing any better? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. We'll see. We'll see this weekend. We'll see this weekend if it's if it's if it's okay. Which is a good reminder that me and Dylan will both be at the Overwatch Grand Finals this weekend in Philadelphia. We will be there Saturday and Sunday. So pretty much, if you want to go out drinking Saturday night, let me know. <laughs> I'm looking for people because Dylan's going to be crippled. So, but that otherwise we can always meet up and all that kind of stuff at Overwatch Finals on Sunday because I think we both just love meeting people. But what well, you have something to say? Yeah, bring a white marker. If you bring a white marker, you can sign my cast. No one wants to do that. That's that's so middle school, Dylan. It's still sick, dude. Sure. Sure. But we're not here to be talking about Dylan's middle school habits of signing casts. We are here to talk about esports because each and every week on Monday on twitch.tv slash popped underscore off, we have Project Esports, which is Popped Off's esports show where we talk about the big topics, stories, interviews, and whatever else we feel like talking about with a little bit of context and a whole lot of opinion on it. But since we already did talk about the Overwatch Grand Finals coming up, let's jump right into the first topic for tonight which is going to be more ddos attacks ddos attacks however you want to say it DDoS. we're getting more of them what's going on uh so recently the big one has been um with rainbow six siege um so we've been hearing a lot of talk about this in our community on discord and stuff uh, just because we have a few members that are super active in it um and damn it's been very bad so basically what's been going on is people are playing games and then you just get DDoS attacked and you get dropped um, from the game or like you get super laggy and you end up losing the game. It's been terrible, absolutely terrible for all the players there. But there's some good news because Ubisoft released a statement recently. And this statement is awesome. I would definitely recommend um, looking it up. Go to our show notes and look for the article because it's just a post by them. And it's awesome because it's like, listen, DDoS attacks are happening. Here's what we're going to be doing. And it's like one. We're going to start banning players. We're going to be looking for players who are doing this and banning them. Number two, we're going to be reducing the matches per server. Because right now there's three matches per server. Um, so whenever one uh, server gets DDoSed, all three of the matches get dropped. Hmm. So what they're trying to do is space it out a little bit. So that way, if an attack does happen, um, not as many matches are going to be dropped. Then... They're going to be removing like an abandoned uh, game uh, sanction, like a so like if if you leave the game mid game, you're not going to be penalized for it like you would before because it's just like in league if you just like leave the game, you're going to get um, you're going to get in trouble for it. It's going to yeah. go against your record. Leave buster. that won't be yeah that won't be happening right now. At the end of this week, they're just going to stop that until they figure all this out. Then they're going to be monitoring the traffic that's going on just to see when these attacks are going to be happening, maybe who they're coming for. Then, I'm sorry, I'm just going to just go off all these because there's a ton of them. Then they're going to be pursuing legal action against everyone who's doing this and all the providers of DDoS attacks. So not only people who are trying to issue the attacks, but also some of the large service providers that you know run these DDoS attacks. Because essentially how it works is they're plugging in IPs and then hitting like go on the website and then the service is the one doing this. And then finally, 
they're going to be working with Microsoft, who does all their server hosting, to try to figure out some other um, ways to remedy this. So something I want to point out right away that so we talked about the Overwatch and the kind of the whole Blizzard servers being attacked um, two weeks ago now. And this is different from that case because this is one where it's kind of more targeted IPs towards players are going against rather than just shutting down the entire servers, correct? Yes. So the way it's working is it's more targeting players. And then by targeting players, it's affecting the small servers. Yes. So it's not necessarily attacking the large servers that like Blizzard has. It's more like direct attack. Yeah, it's more so that they can win games rather than just trying to be a dick and shut down the yeah. entire game. Yes, exactly. But no, I think this is a really good kind of playout plan. And I think it's really important to be kind of transparent. You see so many companies nowadays not be transparent. So I really think the approach they're taking is the best way they can do. And I, yeah, I just think Ubisoft's continuing to do everything great with Rainbow Six Siege. And I don't really have much to add on top of this, but I'm just happy to see that they're continuing to react quickly to things. And uh, I think Kyle was the one that was saying in um, chat, uh, in the Discord chat, that it was like, I think it was like three out of four ranked games that he played had a DDoS attack in it. And that's how prevalent it is right now. And that just makes the game pretty much unplayable, especially in a ranked capacity. So if you can't play ranked Rainbow Six, the esports scene kind of dies, and that's kind of why we're bringing it up here. So it is cool to see them taking immediate action and not waiting until months later or just going very silent like Blizzard and other companies seem to do sometimes, not really giving much of an update. Yeah, no, this was really great. I'm glad they did this, and we talk about this, I think, once every six months or so, but, like, Rainbow Six Siege is the perfect example of a game that started out not so great and then really turned it around, and they're really running with it. I love it, especially because this was so, like, to the point as well. That's why I really love it, because they could have just released a vague article and been like, yeah, we're going to be doing these kinds of things, but no, it was like, here's the action, here's how it's going to impact you, here's when it's going to happen, like, very straightforward and that's been awesome i i love this and even though like i i, I don't play rainbow six Siege very often anymore um i still think it's super cool that they're doing this because it's like the basis of a good esport definitely is with the company and the company has been really behind it i love it yeah and i'm not saying ubisoft's been perfect by any means i know saying that oh they've done this all so well and being too transparent ubisoft still has its problems but we're saying that compared to some large game providers they have been better than most this is why we're kind of praising them here now we still know they need to work on it but they have done a really good job of growing their six siege from the ground up which is why we're a little bit more happy towards them versus other ones that have either tried to force it or just don't seem to really care about the esports scene so we're probably a little bit biased towards that because we're happy about that but just wanted to bring that point up so we didn't get attacked for praising ubisoft when i know they're not perfect kind of coming from the video game side but moving on to the next one is one of those larger companies. And instead of talking about the actual esports, it's kind of more on the branding side, which is what I love. And I'd be curious to kind of see what people in chat think. What do you think about it, Dylan? But League of Legends for the 10-year anniversary, which is crazy to think it's been out for 10 years. I feel like I've almost been playing for the 10 years that it's been out. I think I joined on very early on, like season two or threes, when I played my first game. Um, but they've revealed a new logo. So calling it, it is a new logo officially because it is a... Um, a text logo, but I don't know. I'm curious to see what you guys kind of think. Um, we can link a chat to it. Otherwise, if you just Google new League of Legends logo, it's literally that same kind of gold color, maybe a little bit more muted that just says League of Legends. So it's not a major change or by any means, but 
it makes it look a little bit more modern, and I'm a fan of it. I don't think it was needed or anything like that, but uh, I don't know. What do you think about the new change of logo? So I'm looking at it, and I think it's okay. Um, that's how I feel about it. It's just it's okay. I didn't really see a problem with the old one, so that's why I think this is a little weird. Um, but yeah, it's it's very okay. I mean, it's just kind of like gold text. It's very like a uh, very concise. And there's like a little bit of like trim on it, so it makes it look like um, let's say like gold. It looks like gold plating or something, um, but it's okay. It's very okay. I don't know why they did this. I mean, obviously, like ten years is a big thing, and it's very cool. Because I remember back in the day when League of Legends first came out, um, and it was like a like a retail game. Like you went to GameStop, you grabbed League of Legends what? off of the shelf. Yeah. Yeah, the original release of League of Legends is you went to like GameStop, you grabbed that thing off of the shelf, you brought it home and you played it. That's crazy. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, and that was obviously before like a ton of the reworks and like restructuring and stuff and all that. But they come a long way, and I maybe they're doing this not so. I mean, they they did the Riot uh, logo rebrand, right? So maybe this is just a whole like new new. They're just kind of like, refreshing. It's been a while. Yeah, it's a big refresh, and so. It's okay because it's it's not egregious. It's not anything I look at and go, "Wow, this is terrible" or anything. No, they so didn't reinvent the logo. They modernized. Would I say more? Is yeah, it's the same logo, just a little bit more modern, a little bit less stuff cut out of it, with a little bit of different color change. So, I wouldn't say it's like world changing or anything kind of like that. But it was still interesting, and I think just kind of the point of talking about the ten year anniversary is such a cool thing to see how big it is. I think they just said the other day that. They still have like eight million concurrent players, like um, per month yeah. or was it per day? I don't remember what the stat was. I saw that somewhere. Yeah, like millions of people playing at once. Still, yeah, which is crazy. So it's it is really cool to see them still continuing to do so well. And with worlds coming up, I'm sure there'd be another spike in it. I feel like there always is. And I guess something we didn't have on the outline, but did mention today, um, is that for those of you that didn't know the um drawings for play-ins and group stages were announced earlier today on um the riot live stream not going to go through all of them it's not looking too great for a lot of the na team some really heavy pulls in there but go and check that out we'll be talking about that a lot more coming up as worlds gets closer and um we have a little bit of uh kind of a little event going on around that too as we get closer as well so we'll share more information about that but group stages decided world starts in three weeks so Two weeks maybe even. It's coming close. So I'm really excited for that. And it's it's a good time to be a League fan. I even played League a little bit the, for the first time like a month, two nights ago. And I enjoyed it as much as always. But I guess one last topic um, with kind of related to League of Legends is a partnership. We usually don't do partners. We're really in, like kind of sporadic about when we want to do partners, when we don't. We don't seem to ever be able to make up our mind. It's a cool one. But I think this is a cool it's one. a unique it's a one. It's a Mimi one for sure. It is a Mimi one. I will give you that. So Louis Vuitton. Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, hold on. How you how, say it again? Louis Vuitton. No, 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 no. You gotta say it like a like a French person, like Louis Vuitton. Give it to him. Give it to him, Andrew. No, I'm good. Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton is to forming a special um, partnership for the 2019 League of Legends World Championship which pretty much just means they're making a one-of-a-kind trophy case for the uh, Summoner's Cup, which is kind of cool. It's whatever the championship's called. It it just seems so random. Like, is this really the target market that Louis Vuitton is going after now? No. 
I mean, I don't know why they're doing this. It's I couldn't even I couldn't even look at a Louis Vuitton bag with how much money I have right now. Are you kidding me? Okay, so here here's what I think, right? Maybe, maybe in other parts. Maybe not in America, maybe maybe in other regions, like where League of Legends is more popular among the mainstream, like maybe getting Louis Vuitton bags is, is what Maybe I have no idea about overseas fashion or anything kind of like that or price points or anything kind of like that. So maybe more prevalent brand. And I guess it is in Europe. So I'm assuming and obviously that mean it'll be plastered all over everything in Europe. Um, so maybe Europeans have a little bit different of a kind of perspective on that. And if it's a, maybe a little bit more affordable over there. Um, but I don't know. It just seems like a very weird partnership. I mean, we see car partnerships and all that kind of stuff, but a, bag company something we haven't really seen before so i'm not going to turn it down and i think their like brand activation of making the one of the kind carrying case is a unique one but i i'd be curious to see if they'd ever like kind of speak out about if they're happy about the partnership afterwards because i just can't imagine that's going to move the needle or really be a game changer for them in that demographic well i think it's probably a really low stakes one i mean like for them it's like just designing this thing that's like kind of cool and it's just going to be at the finals, um, kind of just showing off a little bit. I mean, I assume the money investment on each side is probably super, super low. Yeah, probably. I don't know. It was, it was a fun one, and I, I enjoyed kind of uh, pointing it out. But I don't know. Not too much else to really talk about it for me, honestly. But I don't know. We can, Unless you really want to talk about this more. I know you you got you want to talk about Dota. I don't really have yeah, much about Dota. About you always Dota. bring up Dota. I was like some so the big thing going on with dota right now is that people have been getting 20-year bans now i know you might be thinking like how how are people getting 20-year bans so basically what they're doing is they just released a new kind of um i guess system for banning of where they're looking at three things players with extremely low behavior scores breaking the steam tos with buying and selling accounts so maybe even account sharing with that and then players using um, exploits in game. So I think they've totally revamped this and they've taken a look at a couple different things and they, especially the the low behavior score. Cause I think before they were just kind of putting you in like low priority games, but now they're actually just banning you. And 20 years seems like really ridiculous. I kind of like it at first cause I like the idea of not banning someone forever. Cause it's like, there's always that hope, you know, that like one day, if I'm redeemed one day, I can go back and try this thing again. But what it actually is, is the Steam servers can only hold um, that numerical value for a ban. Because huh. it, it's probably in seconds. You're banned for that many seconds. And however many 20 years is in seconds is probably like the largest numerical value it can hold for your account. Um, so you're actually banned forever. Um, because on the back end, um, they, I think they ban like your, not IP, but like your phone number or something like that that's tied to your account, um, something something very weird like that. So you will never be able to play on that account ever again. What if you just change uh, your phone number? It's still it, it's still tied. I, I, I don't know how it works. It's something on the back end, but like your account will be banned forever um, on the back end. So even in 20 years, if you try to get in again, you, you can't, you just won't be able to. So, um, but this is kind of cool. So apparently a lot of people have been um, saying that they were banned without any like good grounds on so there's like a huge because this was a huge bandwidth like a ton of people got banned yeah 
Um, so there is a lot of people like going back to like Steam admins and Dota admins being like, hey, like I shouldn't have been banned and stuff. But this is like a reckoning, huge <laughs> reckoning for for a lot of players. So it's pretty funny. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. I, I love seeing the ban hammer kind of come down and things like this. And I still want every single game out there to implement the Rainbow Six Siege banning system where it just shows everyone in all chat for when every oh, single time that. someone is banned. I think that is such a good way to do it. Obviously, the League of Legends player base is a lot bigger, so it would pretty much never stop with it over there. But, um, yeah, I think the 20 years is kind of a funny number. I think this is kind of an interesting thing, but hopefully it is something that actually does um, make an impact on kind of the player base and um, actual cheaters, boosters, all that kind of stuff, because obviously that is something that is kind of rampant in any free-to-play MMO or, I guess, MOBA in these situations. Um, but I don't know. It's it's interesting. I think people can still find a way around it. I mean, sure, that one account is banned, but for boosters and such as that, does having one account banned really mean anything to them? I don't think that solves a problem by any mean, but hopefully it helps make a difference. Yeah, it's just going to make it a lot harder to do that. So um, hopefully it's going to put up that barrier, and now you're going to see in, like you're going to see situations happen where someone tries to do that and it's probably something on the back end that they're tracking that they'll go, Oh, obviously there's shady stuff going on with this account. We're just going to shut it down. So hopefully it's going to take a big dent in the, in boosters, uh, the ecosystem there, I guess like that whole thing. So hopefully it won't be happening as much anymore. Yeah. Which, which is the why that, uh, that CSGO, um, costs something and it's not a free game, um, is because of boosters and account, uh, shares. They put a, they put a price on it. So that doesn't happen. Really? Yep, and Smurfs too. Like that kind of thing would be very high in CS:GO if it was if it costed anything. But it's free to play now. Is it? Yeah. Well, CS:GO well, and free to play. Well, fuck, fuck then, dude. <laughs> it happens a bunch, I guess. Twenty uh, December twenty eighteen, twenty yeah, earlier this year. Yeah, this year when the when the uh, battle royale came out, they went free to play. We like CS:GO around here. We keep up with it. Yeah, uh, clearly. But something you should be keeping up with is your Twitch Prime subscription. Because if you have Amazon Prime, that means you have Twitch Prime. And that means each and every month you can give away one free subscription because you have your accounts connected to any content creator of your choice on Twitch.tv. Obviously, we would love if you gave it to us because obviously it helps us give money back to any content creators, freelancers, help us go to events, anything kind of like that. But also on top of that, it is September if you do not have um twitch prime that means that for today and tomorrow is all that's left september 24th is when this ends you can do any twitch subs for only two dollars and fifty cents and none of that goes to amazon 100 percent of that will be going directly to us so if you do have a little bit of change laying around in your car just throw that our way or if you do have twitch prime and amazon prime that would mean the world to us as well wait andrew you're saying 100 percent of it goes to us yes dylan 100% of it goes to us. So even though some of the hosts here support the terrible working conditions of some Amazon employees, we don't have to support them this month. That's incredible, dude. Why why do you why are you this way? Why? I'm just letting the people know that they don't have to support a terrible company like Amazon and they can support us without feeling bad this month for today and tomorrow. Please come to our stream and sub. <laughs> 
we move from uh, insulting Amazon to begging. I love it. That's definitely the Project Esports model. But let's move on to the next story because we got a little shit out of the way and I'm worried about letting you go off the range for a little bit too long. But so Overwatch World Cup coming up. We have about two, three major events left for kind of esports this year. We have Worlds. We have the Overwatch Grand Finals. And Overwatch World Cup is kind of in that tier. Not quite as big. But along with that, each and every year we get... Um, World Cup jerseys and we got them revealed this year and holy crap are they bad like nine Terrible. of them look exactly the same um, they're pretty much all just a base color with three letters going up the left side if you look if you're on your own body and then most of them have a Coca-Cola logo you cannot customize and put players names on the back of them and again 90% of them, any country that has red in their flag, they all look the same except for the letters. And maybe a couple of them have their own unique logos. Like, these used to be really good, and they're clearly going downhill from here. People just kind of started attacking these jerseys the second they went live, and it's still being kind of made fun of to this point just because of how bad it is. So, no one like I don't think there's anyone out there that's like, damn, I'm going to get me a, I'm going to get me one of these jerseys. They're really sick. It, I just don't get why this works. So this is back to In The AM, which is a company that Blizzard has worked with a lot. So I don't know why they forced everyone to have the same design. I mean, we see uh, teams such as Team Ireland. They have their own custom jersey that's incredibly cool. And so many people want one. I want one so badly. Like, I don't see why teams can't come submit their own designs. I, I just, I don't know what the reasoning is behind this, that they're forcing all of that. On top of that, Into the AM has also released other merch, such as leggings and stuff that also didn't go over well. But they have started releasing more merch that was originally on Fanatics, so there is also a belief that they may be able to do more merch and that the merchandising deal may be changing for 2020, which is kind of a good sign after the whole Fanatics fiasco at the start of the year. But if this is the quality of stuff we're going to be getting from Into the AM, I'm not that excited because these jerseys were bad, the leggings looked awkward as well if you saw the pictures you probably know exactly what i mean so i don't know this why can't the overwatch league just do merchandise right man i don't know it sucks and i was actually talking a little bit about this um with with kate from the community that apparently none of this none of the none of, none of the sales go towards any nope. of the teams and on top of that some of the teams can't afford to go out to the event and they had a drop so yeah. like there's a bunch of people doing fundraising there, streams and all kinds of stuff like that. There's a there's a connection there. There's literally a connection of where like you could have jerseys and like they pay for the teams and they're just no, 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 we're just gonna release these jerseys that all of them basically look the same, except they had just have like three different letters. Like it it sucks. It's very stupid. I, I it's very frustrating because I know we've had so many issues with like Overwatch League and like some of their gear. Like we want to give them money. For cool stuff and it's like they they purposely are trying to give us bad stuff yeah i i i just i don't get it why is this so hard like overwatch league wants to be overwatch world cup blizzcon whatever you want to kind of be associating that with you want to try so hard to be this real big league but you can't even do merchandise right and it'd just be so easy just to connect the dots and 
help these teams go. Like you're you're encouraging more teams to be coming to this first round so that more people are going to be playing in person at Blizzard Arena. That's super cool. That's such a good mechanic. But then you don't do anything to help them actually get there and just leave these community-built teams to get across the world by themselves. Most of them doing fundraisers or having community members do fundraisers for them just because they know otherwise they're not making it or doing their own merch. Like it just... I don't get it, guys. It's not that hard, Blizzard. You are a, a probably a billion-dollar company. I don't even know. You make a lot of money. Just help out the little guy once here and there. Support two two Overwatch something. And this is the one time that like tier two Overwatch and tier one Overwatch like merge together too. And they still like, don't care. This is no, they they it, they they hate it. They 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 hate everything that's not purely just the Overwatch League. I guess well, because like they don't even love the Overwatch League. Looking at the merch, <laughs> true. I just I I don't I don't get what's going on. Like there are so many good decisions that happened with the Overwatch League, and then there's this, and it's just so curious. This I would love to be in their room when they make some of these decisions because it's just Blizzard is a one of a kind company. Let's just say that. I'm sure Activision has a lot to do with it. Yeah, but- I was gonna say. I'm not going to say it's all Activision's fault because clearly there's some like issues going on with Blizzard as well. But I think it feels like there's a lot of like Activision issues that have come up since the merger. I, I think both companies just aren't doing well and aren't focusing on the community as much as they should be. But I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about this? This is kind of makes me upset about Blizzard again. Yeah. I'm ready to move on to a topic that you you're just going to go off on. I'm going to let you just absolutely go off on it because this is your thing. Business, talk business. So, Chronicy, Chronok, whatever the hell it is, we've talked about them before. They were the ones that were going to buy the Echo Fox um, slot a couple years ago, uh, not a couple years, a couple couple months ago. They are associated with the Los Angeles Gladiators. They have Sentinels organization underneath of them. Well, clearly things weren't going well when Sentinel sued their parent company because there was a breach of contract when they tried to go around their own esports company to buy a slot in esports league. Clearly things weren't going well. Well, it's actually a lot worse than we thought because now Kronike, I'm just going to say Kronike, decided to split ways with Sentinels and build their own internal esports brand in-house. Not brand, but team in-house. So this is interesting and worrying for so many reasons. So first off, this is the first time, to my knowledge, at least on this big of a scale, that we're seeing a company that didn't originally build, that originally built with an esports team, decide to split ways from that and thought that they're going to be able to do it themselves and didn't need a team to help them manage it, which is super curious. It's not all bad things because now there can still be the Sentinels in that organization and then there can still be the esports team at um, Kronike with the LA Gladiators. More jobs in esports. Not a bad thing necessarily, but then there's unneeded job loss and all that and the split ways of there. But really this just starts to get the conversation going that if somehow they do pull this off and it goes well, that starts to worry me more about these large investment groups just saying we don't need these brands that have been around forever and we can just do it themselves they're irrelevant we obviously know better we're the multi-million dollar multi-billion dollar companies we don't need these small esports brands when really i think this could be a mistake 
in a lot of situations when you don't do esports correctly, when you don't focus on the community and really focus on what makes esports different, it doesn't hit as well. We've seen that happen a lot and that throwing money at things in esports isn't what always is going to solve it versus community and being interactive. So I do really worry about that. Um, Splice has some news coming up a little bit too, but I wanted to kind of talk to you first about the Chrono Key and Senators thing and then move into a bigger conversation uh, after that. I mean, I a lot of this is just confusing for me. I don't know why any of this is uh, why 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 is it like this, Andrew? I am assuming there's going to be higher profits and less upkeep um, to be able to do this because I'm assuming there was already a lot of people crossing over. Um, between the Kronike and um, the Sentinels that are helping with graphic design and stuff like that. And they already have a lot of these in-house for their other teams. So I'm assuming that they don't need these custom ones for specifically that, and they can already have people in-house doing it. Then they just need to hire leadership more than likely to help manage the LA Gladiators brand would be my best guess is that they're not seeing the investments that they wanted and having a team under them, which is costing them money and probably taking a portion of the profits is probably not what they need to see those returns so i would assume that is where that's coming from so this speaks to the bubble that is in esports but it also speaks to these large investment groups care very much about their money back and working with teams even though it is the best way probably is not the most profitable way for them so this could be happening more and more as we go on yeah i was gonna say like is the quality now and like i guess the connection between like the teams in the community now gonna like start plummeting like is it bad that they're moving away from like having that like small team within like you know that small team very close to the community like being in like the esports team like now separated a little bit moved up into like the bigger company it depends on how well they do it it depends if they're looking at profit and just trying to run it exactly like a business or if they're trying to build it like an esports team splitting away with senators makes me feel like they're going to be running it more like a business and it worries about the gladiators brand that has been exceptional despite being an la valiant fan and obviously kind of having that hatred towards the gladiators they do an excellent job on social media they do an excellent job on community manager a lot of that is because of the staff there and they have been bleeding staff a little bit before this exit happened and on this on top where they're going to be building from scratch on top of already moving geolocation it could be a great opportunity for them to keep that up and double down on that great community interaction or it could be really kind of a fall apart for their brand it's a really kind of a make or break thing i think it now makes the most sense as they're moving into geolocation and that this could be something we see other places as well because moving from the small scale all in blizzard arena to geolocation is a very big change which very much suits these larger investment companies that traditionally have more traditional sports experience versus esports companies that traditionally work at tournaments and lands so i think even though it is the homestand format i think it favors traditional sports companies so this might not be the last time we see it and it does make sense but it doesn't mean i'm happy about it i still think sentinels and teams like that need to be a part in order to really solidify that brand and that community that is needed so importantly in esports i'm scared andrew you know me i hate big business you know this you know i like grassroots esports and it feels like it's moving away from that and that just it worries me just because like there has been a lot of issues with the overwatch league and i'm worried that maybe you know that there could be some stumbles along the way 
and that's really going to hurt a lot of teams and you know hurt the league overall from there yeah we'll see i mean as we kind of go on with the conversation i do want to bring in the splice um so splice is also being shut down but it's not in the sense that they're splitting ways with their parent company which is interactive media though i'm i'm sorry i screwed up on what that was but it is the team behind the toronto defiant um but they're not necessarily being separated and it's not existing without the um, larger brand, but they're being absorbed into it in a restructuring. So again, they're keeping the upper management of Splice, but it is going to just be more of a uh, internal brand rather than its own separate brand. So they're not going to be their own LLC. They're going to be under this company. I don't know what that means necessarily for like the Splice brand and League of Legends or CSGO and other things, but obviously it's a part of the Toronto Defiant brand. So I was just curious to see that there have been either one separations and one kind of merger of two of the esports teams that help launch esports. Um, obviously, these are two smaller brands versus teams such as Team Liquid, Cloud9, things such as that. But it is still very interesting to see this kind of happening. And I think the restructuring and the absorbing is better because that sounds like there will be less job loss than obviously splitting ways where that whole brand is just no longer part of the Sentinels while Corona Key was pretty much just paying for it. So I think that's a better way to do it and absorbing it allows you to keep that stat that does do such a good job with Toronto Defiant. But you're also losing people, and I, it still feels weird that a brand is just no longer existing. I, I'd love to kind of do a little bit more and see what's going to happen to the League of Legends spot and such as that. But um, yeah, it's really weird. It's just like the brand just getting snapped out of existence, and that's strange to me, especially since it's like recognized now, right? Like it's Splice. Like we know the teams and stuff, so it's it's weird that it's just disappearing. I mean, like I guess that's what happens in mergers, but like. I don't know, like you lose the brand and like brands are super valuable now, especially in esports. Like we talked about this when we were talking about the Call of Duty League that like some of these brands are just not going to be represented anymore. And I don't know, it's it's weird. Yeah, so kind of looking into it a little bit more, um, it doesn't seem like the Splice brand as much is going to be um, going away. They're just yeah shutting down the physical company and bringing them underneath it. So that Splice brand seems to be it. But um, there actually was a lot of layoffs from what I've been seeing here. But it was just that Splice was an American-based company and Overactive Media is a Toronto-based company. So by bringing it underneath them, they'll be saving on taxes and other things such as that. So I think they think that is what a main reason is behind it. So it doesn't sound like the Splice brand is deleting. It's just like the LLC or whatever the company was structured at is going away and staff is being cut as they no longer need as splice obviously had their own creatives and things such as that now overactive media will more than likely have multiple people dealing with i mean they have a call of duty team they have a league of legends team they have a csgo team they have an overwatch team i believe so i'm assuming they're just minimizing the staff and bring it all into one umbrella that's it yeah i mean this is just something i guess we'll just have to wait and see if there's any like ramifications behind it yeah i mean it's super interesting i love this kind of stuff i I feel like I've, yeah, I really love these topics as much as I don't like what's happening. I love talking about this kind of stuff because it is honestly where a lot of esports needs to be talking about and looking at. Because, yeah, companies that aren't seeing investments, saving money on taxes is something they're going to do 100% of the time if they're not finding the investment they want. And it's not like overactive media is cutting out of esports. They are just about as 
start a new Call of Duty team. Like they're diving farther in. They just want to get the most out of their money, it seems like. So it's not something I can disagree with, but it's still sad to see people lose their jobs in both situations and where it's only because of money and it wasn't focused on the people as much. But we have one more last big topic, which I'm also going to be super curious to talk about. But what? Esports ESPN is basically what it is? Uh, Kind of. So I first heard about this topic um, over when I was watching um, PVA um, last week. So it's a little bit of an older topic, um, but they they just went off on this. And I was like, yes, I want to talk about this and definitely take it from like the esports perspective at least. So basically, uh, to make a long story short, uh, some investors are like, hey, let's start a 24-hour video game like channel on TV. And it's going to be called Vent, which stands for Video Game Entertainment and News Network. So they're going to be doing video game entertainment and news around it for, you know, the 24-hour cycle. Which wild to me. Absolutely wild. Um I don't know. There's there's a lot around this, and it's there's not a lot of substance to the story. I think just the topic itself on like this this thing is going to be happening, and I think I don't know. I I this seems wild to me. It seems wild. It seems like it's going to be a huge waste of money. I think it's a terrible idea. What do you think, Andrew? Bring back G four and Attack of the Show, or don't give me a video game network channel at all. I mean, we had that growing up. We had what they want to be here growing up, and it didn't work back then. And now in an age where blessed people watch TV, and it's all about so many content creators and so many choices, the opportunity of this working out is less than before, and G4 did it right. G4 was on the cutting edge of all this and had so many great shows and personalities, most of which who still work in here. But I just can't imagine throwing money at a TV network and video games is going to work. Yes, the player base for video games and esports growing, the money in esports video games growing so much compared to back when G4 launched, but the options to consume content, where you can consume content, and the amount of people creating content since then has gone up 300 times. I am probably even more than that. The amount of content out there each and every day where you can get shows like us. They'll have an esports-like talk show like us, I'm assuming. But there's 30 of us. There's 40 of us. And everyone watches their own small little section of an already niche topic. So you'd have to get 90% of that audience to come over to your show on a TV network that is starting out of nowhere in order for this to be successful. But it's not just for the one show. You're doing it 24-7. So you need to have people watching all your shows, be able to get the advertisement, to get people constantly watching, to make it worth it. The hurdles they're going to have to go through to make this work, the amount of content they're going to have to produce that's already out there and try to find ways to make it better or make people only watch that is going to be so incredibly high that I think this is going to be a waste of money. We've seen other people try this. There's Jinx TV out there. There's Cheddar. There are smaller people that do this, and they do it fine at a small scale. When you try to scale it up to 24-7 with large investment money and trying to be the pretty much ESPN or the MTV, but for video games, that's not going to work. It's too large. It's way too large to be sustainable. And esports and video games already has questions of how is this sustainable. So creating media around that is ridiculous in this t- In 2019, in this economy, are you kidding me? No, it's, it's going to be bad. It, I think this whole thing... I. It, it, it seems to me it's like one of those things where like a bunch of like super rich execs are sitting around like a table who half oh, half of them like don't know what they're talking about. The other half are probably 
super high on coke and they're just like yeah good idea let's go let's go let's go stereotypes i love it and it's and it's a terrible idea because like who's watching it i'm not watching it you're not watching we don't have cable we don't and not only that is you know this isn't going to be like a two-digit like uh cable network this is going to be up there it's gonna be like three digits it's gonna be a premium channel who's gonna be watching this and and then if 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 one of us are watching it what's gonna drive us to there that's gonna make us watch it you know is Overwatch League going to be on there? Is Worlds going to be on there? Maybe, but who cares? We're going to be watching okay. on Twitch. Okay, okay. So, it's interesting when you say it was like a... Tw- so, it's not meant to be 24-7. You've been misleading me here. The New York company aims to create 55 hours of content each week, including programs that involve video game competitions. The goal for programs to be distributed on streaming platforms as Twitch, YouTube, and Hulu. This is a totally different market than you were selling me on. And this is something I can get behind. I still am a little afraid of that amount of content. 55 hours of content each week is incredibly large. But when you mix in smaller events and you're putting it on things such as YouTube, Twitch, and Hulu, it's still going to be good. But pretty much all it is is a glorified Twitch channel then. It is a glorified version of popped off with a lot more investment money is what they're trying to do. And they're going to have the money to get it onto more platforms. So this is more sustainable than the 24-7 TV network, but it's still going to be hard to create that amount of content and get that amount of viewership in order for the money to be worth it, especially if they're not selling their own ads because they're getting ad money through all of these platforms, which is an incredibly different business model and even harder in the competitive landscape of Twitch and YouTube. So I still don't have faith in it, but it still has a better chance than the original sale. Okay, well, to be fair... It, this is a very confusing article because it says that they're going to be a 24-7 um, live, which I guess that means that... The a, Twitch a channel will be repeating on the same things. Yeah, I, I guess so. But still, I mean, the only reason why a lot of these Twitch channels and stuff are so lucrative and they work so well is because they're low-costed. I mean, if you go to Tyler One's stream, right, it's just him sitting there. Like, it's lucrative for him to do this because it's just him. And like we've talked about the sustainability in sports and like Overwatch League and Riot and all that, they're not making most of their money off of Twitch, which this these guys are going to be having to do that. Like if they expect to be putting no, they, they can this- run internal ads as well. Like if we wanted to put a thirty well, second ad spot into the well, podcast, we could no, without no, no, Twitch. No. Even even if they did, even if they did, what I'm saying is like I don't think it's going to be that lucrative. Um, because ad revenue right now sucks. Ad revenue is terrible right now. It's doing horribly. Um, most Twitch streamers don't run ads because it's more lucrative to not run ads so that like the happiness level of your stream goes up that much because people don't have to watch ads yeah. because they're, they're not getting paid for ads basically because no one no one wants to pay for those ads. And I just don't think it's going to be... And, and just injecting a ton of money into this isn't going to make it good because like... You have a lot of really good uh, Twitch streams, like I was saying, because they cost nothing to make almost. And even even if there was some production effort, like um, you can add some production effort here and there into some Twitch streams, and it's and it works out well because of subs um, and like especially because of Twitch primes and all that. But it's not enough to support an entire network. Well, no, and the biggest thing is too is they're talking about we're going to create in depth, compelling content, all that kind of stuff. That's not what people in esports want right now. They want the short news story and they want the junk food. I mean, that's what we see with so much of a problem in esports journalism. I feel like I talked about this just a couple of weeks ago or I talked about this post-show and all that kind of stuff. Is People 
don't care as much for the super in-depth interviews. They don't care for the ESPN interviews and things such as that. I mean, maybe the 30 for 30 documentaries they could kind of replicate, and that'd be cool. There's some really good stories in eSports to tell. But a lot of it's going to be, I mean, there is a reason Tyler One is so popular. He is junk food on Twitch. He is a screaming bald kid that plays League of Legends, rages, and does a bunch of stupid shenanigans. Like, that is not what this network is going to be creating. And the demand for that network, there's already competition there. Like I said, there's Jinx TV. There's Cheddar. There are people doing this more inequality content. Even looking at um, the score. I mean, like Colin, he does the amazing series of Don't At Me. That probably doesn't get the numbers that this Twitch channel would be happy with. Like, there's so many things that are out there for that in-depth content that doesn't get enough, which is why it's such a minority of esports content that it's created, because it doesn't get the views. That's now what brings people home. It's the junk food, TV, YouTube videos, XQC, all that kind of stuff. They're all entertaining, don't get me wrong, but that's not what this channel's going for. No, exactly. And I mean, stuff like Colin's work, it's fairly low budget. I mean, don't get me wrong. He has amazing graphics and they're very well edited together. But at the end of the day, it's an editor who can do graphics and it's him. And they're just recording like in their office somewhere. Like in terms of like... Uh, they're a little TV, bigger budget than that. The score is pretty big budget. No, no, no. One of his videos, that's what his videos oh, are. Oh, that's what they, his videos they, are. They, but yeah. Yeah, that they're super low budget. And like, that's what you need to be doing. You need to be putting those videos out there that like cost almost nothing to produce because... If you're going to have a multi-million dollar company and like... $17 million is how much you're going to throw into this and waste. $17 million. Like... Do you know what we do with half a million dollars? Do you know what we would do with $100? <laughs> no, no, but like if you look at a lot of like Twitch True. streams, they're, they're lucrative, right? But if you were like, all right, listen, we're going to give you a $17 million budget. Can you give us a return? They go, no, of course not. Even some of the biggest Twitch streamers who make like... You know, some of the some of the biggest ones make a couple like, you know, one or two million dollars a year if they're like really killing out there. They're not going to have that kind of return on effort. There, there, there's no way enough eyes are going to be on this where they can get that return. This is absolutely going to fail. Yeah, something seeing a little bit more into it is that Blizzard Entertainment co-founder Mike Morane has invested in. So is Kevin Lin from Twitch co-founder. Like, these are people that might be seeing something a little bit more. I mean, obviously, Twitch and Blizzard are huge companies, but the co-founders see something in these people and have a little bit more belief in it. So those kind of investors are good for me, but they could also be minority investors that always take a chance on these kind of things because both of their platforms took off. And if they ever were to invest even a small amount into something that grows that same amount of size, they're, they're rich again. So that doesn't automatically mean that they have faith in it. It doesn't mean that much more. But it does mean a little bit more with actual people with gaming experience investing in it and having the money behind it versus in a large investment company. That is something that gives me a little bit more faith in it. I still agree. I still make my argument that I don't believe in this, and I think it is going to be very much of a struggle for them to create content that's compelling and still brings in a large viewership. But it's not something I want to turn my back on right away. But I do have very little faith in this especially creating 55 hours of content a week, I'd be amazed if more than 10 of it was high quality and brought in people. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I don't really care who these investors are because like that, those kinds of res resumes don't really um, generate anything good for me because it's like, yeah, they were like executives and stuff, but like they're executives. I'm mean, a Twitch like, co-founder. They're both co-founders. Yeah, but you, I don't think they know how to make compelling content. I mean, just because they co-founded something doesn't mean they inherently know how to produce really good content. Like if you said like, 
I, yeah, I, but the I thing about content, the thing about anything is it's not as much about the quality of the content, but how well you get it out in front of people. And if you know ways to get content in there and get people in the door, that can be good. That could bring in the numbers to bring in advertisement, all that kind of stuff. Unique viewers are one of the biggest things that advertisers look for. How many unique people are going to see this? I don't care how long they watch, but how many unique people are going to do that? That's what the Blizzard you know, but does like- so well. But like Overwatch League is like one of the most well-produced esports events, and leagues on top of that does amazing shows every single week. They could barely hit a hundred k. Like they they're they're one of the things that people actually really want to watch because it's the only way you can watch the Overwatch League is really on Twitch in that capacity. Well, besides ESPN and stuff on those off uh, days and stuff. But like if you're gonna watch it, you're gonna watch it on Twitch, and they can even hit a hundred k. Like. There's no there there I, there's no way that this channel will be able to pull in that kind of money. Like if, if Overwatch League can even pull in that that high of viewers for their kind of content. I don't know. I'm I know. I'm curious. Know. I'm curious about this. I have very little to, faith in it, but show. I'm ready to see this come out. And we and you, but the thing you're thinking about you are focusing only on the esports side of it. This is the video game entertainment network or whatever event or whatever. The video game network, the video game industry is so much bigger than esports. So the amount of people that why I know the viewership on Twitch and all that kind of stuff, it only goes up so much. And I'm not taking away from that. But there are so many more people that would tune in to just watch a person that does a weekly review on Twitch of a ga- a new game every week. It's a one hour review. The amount of people that watch video game reviews each and every day, every minute, is a ridiculous number of people. So if you capture even a small percentage of them each and every week, that's the Overwatch viewership right there. You know what I mean? Like there's such, there's so many other niches within video games that bring in the same amount of viewership as Overwatch League. So if you're able to capitalize on all those together, it could have a small chance of working. Totally agree with you, but you got to look at the people that they're running up against, right? They're running up against, you know, people like in the tech industry, like Linus or whatever, or they're running up against Giant Bomb. You know, you're you're running up against people who you're not really going to to them for like, oh, this is like a really compelling like video game review site. It's like, no, I want to go to Giant Bomb because like, yeah, they do a really great job with video games, but it's mostly their personality, and it's going to be really hard to build up his personality on these Twitch streams that they're going to be producing that drives in that kind of content that they need with an, in, with a giant budget. Like well, you want to, you want to hear something that's crazy? What? Everyone that does those does not get paid very well because they do it out of passion. So imagine if you had 17 yes. million, but imagine if you had $17 million just to hire those personalities, then you don't need to build that grant from scratch. That's what they're no, going to no, do. That's what they're going to do. No, they're going to no, go no, no, buy no, all these people that, from these companies. Money. No, what I'm saying, though, is... Personalities are what makes video games. No, no, no. What I'm getting at, though, is that if you have that kind of money, you're throwing into a hole that you're never going to get back because, yeah, these are huge personalities. What I'm saying is, like, even if your personality is that big, you're not going to get the return on investment. You're not going to see the return from it because they're not seeing the return from it. If you're pulling in all these people and you're not seeing the return from it, this, this, this channel isn't going to do the same. Just because you throw more money at it doesn't mean it's going to do better inherently. I think you underestimate the ability of certain content creators going to something like this and how much money they could generate. Remember how much money Ninja made in a year. 
Yes. And then you bring in other content creators on top of that. And then because it's larger website, it's not a personal stream where you can get behind. It is a news-like website. You can start bringing in bigger sponsors of people that want to. I guarantee you Toyota and Kia and all these car brands, they'll have ads on there. All the computer makers, all of them, they'll have ads on there. And they'll be able to run those same kind of commercials because it'll be on Hulu TV. It'll be on Twitch. It'll have all the integrated in there too. So that money and the operating cost is so much smaller than the Overwatch League. What success for the Overwatch League is, don't even shake your head no. The buy-in for the Overwatch League is $20 million. They have a $17 million investment. No, no. That's don't the give me that. I'm talking about the production cost. The production cost for the Overwatch League itself is incredibly high. Yes, and this is going to be low. Oh, it's not going to be low because Lower. it's the, 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 they said it. it's going to be the 24-hour, the 24-7 live studio. They're going to have a studio for this. Production for studios, especially what they're going after, is incredibly high. It's not cheap to do. No, it's... Running, running, running cameras, running lights, running like a production crew is incredibly expensive. It's not... It so doesn't have to be. No, no, I know it doesn't have to be. And that's the point of why this isn't going to work out because they're going to be charging an arm and a leg for every single show that they're doing because they have all this money because it'd be one thing if they gave us like a cheap studio to run stuff in because we would run it off of nothing even if they paid us like a, an okay salary we can run it off of almost nothing but they're not doing that they're throwing money at this to produce big content you can create 50 i mean giant bomb their setup is so small so if you if no andrew i know i know it's so small, if you go a not. step i know but they're not going to spend seventeen million dollars on the studio. But if you spent, e but if you spent even five million dollars on a studio, I think you forget how much you can buy with five million dollars. That is people's. What I'm saying is, a million dollars could salary people for three to four years. Millions of dollars on Twitch isn't sustainable, though, is what I'm getting but at. But that's because... upfront cost. That's not every year. It's not going to cost $17 million every single year. It could only it cost, cost a million dollars. Million. You don't even know that. Million, even if it costs a million dollars a year, that is not sustainable for Twitch. Yes, it is. Some of the yes, biggest it is. people. No, it's not. Some of the biggest people on Twitch, they can, they can barely crank in a million dollars, which is great, which is great for them. But they're also people sitting in front of their computer not doing anything. They might maybe, maybe if they if they crank this out of the park and they do amazing, they might be able to make their money back each year. But they're not going to be green. They're not going to be in profit. It is it, it, the kind of budget that they're going to be running off of is way too high for Twitch. Let's just remember which one of us is big business here and which one is socialist. So... I believe in which one, which one of us, which one of them, which, which, which one of the big businesses are completely failing every single year that constantly needs to be bailed out that none of them really know what they need to be, that they always have their business fail that have done, that have done bad things in esports that ended up not great all the time. Just because of how much you've pissed me off. I'm changing my opinion. I believe in Ven. I believe they can make this shit work. You've pissed me you, off. Well, I hate your points. You let's, are let's, blowing let's things bet. out of the water. Let's bet on it. Then. Okay, what's success? Um, How do you do success for a privately traded company that will have no idea what the numbers are? Please tell me. If they last more than a year. They start their Twitch channel and they last more than a year. And 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 in a year's time, they're not doing like double-digit viewers. Okay, 
So from the launch of their first day on Twitch or whatever platform they're live on to, to a year later, if they do not have, let's say, at least one-fifth of their day one viewers, so if they have like 100, I mean, that's what, like Overwatch started like 100, fine, let's say a third. They have to maintain at least a third of their day one viewers because obviously that's always the highest viewers. Fair? A year later. Um, because that's what the Overwatch is. The Overwatch yeah. has cut their viewership in a third since yeah, it no. started. Yeah. Yeah, no. Packs flight tickets for the following year. This is like two years away. We'll have yeah, money yeah, saved deal. up. Yeah, deal. deal. Clip it. Let's go. Yeah, clip it. Let's go. Well, that is one hell of a way to end an episode. Wow. I that was I love that discussion. Those two discussions were fun, but holy crap, you piss me off sometimes, Dylan. I just want to get that out here. It's okay if I'm always right. You're not always right. You are very oftenly wrong, and that's why I'm prediction king and look like I'm going to be prediction king okay, for next okay. year. You're better at predicting who's going to win. What we just game. predicted something. What? <laughs> if they're going to be successful or not? Yeah, but we don't know if that came to fruition. Yeah, we've only bet, we've only done predictions like, oh, what team's going to do really good or whatever. I think I have it down when it comes to this kind of business model. I don't. But that is going to do it all for today's episode of Project Eats Force. So September 23rd, 2019. Thank you all so much for tuning in to me and Dylan arguing for the last 35 minutes. I hope you guys did enjoy it. And if you want to be an absolute goon and join us in the live chat, please follow us on twitch.tv slash popped underscore off every single Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Again, that is twitch.tv slash popped underscore off. And if you miss the live show, that's okay because all the VODs go up. If you go to poppedoff.com slash YouTube, you can get the YouTube video. It'll take you right to our YouTube channel. Or you can listen to the podcast version, which is on every single podcast platform. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, um, Pod, Podmeme, all of them out there. Just go subscribe to us there and listen because we're great to listen to even though we yell at each other. And then, of course, we always do really love any five-star reviews that you can leave on iTunes, either in following us or subscribing to us on Twitch. Really, any interaction we do with us, whether it's on social media, whether it's through the podcasting platform, it all means the world to us because we're creating this content for you guys each and every week. So we want to know that you guys are enjoying the content that we create. So always feel free to leave feedback with whichever way you prefer, and we'll always try to get back to you and do whatever we can to make the content exactly what you guys want to hear. But with that, as always, I'm Andrew. And we will see you guys next week for Project Esports. Until then, we love each and every one of you, and I hope you guys have a great week.